Hello everybody, welcome to Mindful Metal Jacket. This is a little bit of a funky one. I am upstairs in a house on the water. I'd show it to you, but the shade is closed right now. And um, I forgot to do an intro. Quite frankly, I'm up here on vacation, but I got a great episode for you. Andrew, just got out of the shower. I was swimming in the ocean quite a bit. And I can tell you this, this is a mindfulness podcast a mental health podcast, nothing heals quite like the ocean. Get yourself in it. If you live in the Midwest, take a trip. For God's sakes, I'm in Maine. The water is cold. I think that actually heals more. It helps. Oh, my God. You're going to be dizzy if you watch this on YouTube. Jesus Christ. i got to get it under control. I'm holding it. Coldy. Coldy? Icy cold water in the North Atlantic. Fantastic. Nothing heals like that. Time with family can heal and harm but um here trying to be mindful listening to the waking up app by sam harris in the morning and uh touching base with some friends but basically out of it not looking online staying away from social media swimming in the ocean hiking spending time with family the youth of the family you can hear some of them talking out there anyways thanks for listening hope you had a great fourth of july Hope you're happy. Hope you're healthy. Great episode today. Andrew Chavone, who's hilarious, and Steve Rogers, who you know, third time on the show. He's a regular. It's Steve and Andrew, both on the show. They have a podcast called Panic Attacking. Please go check that out. Very similar podcast to mine. Theirs was first. Check it out. Nobody knows who they are there, so it doesn't really matter, let's be honest. But uh, you should know who they are. They're hilarious. They're great guys. And um, this is a good episode. You'll see why they're fun and why their show is great. So check it out. I don't have a great quote ready, but here's one from Elwood Blues. Do what you feel and keep both feet on the wheel. You don't have to go home, but you can't stay here. Enjoy this conversation with Andrew Chavone, Steve Rogers. Check them both out. They're absolutely hilarious. And check out their podcast, Panic Attacking. I know you'll love it. Thank you. recording yes all right great i'm here with steve rogers don't turn that dial everybody there's another person coming i feel like people are gonna be like oh it's the third time with steve great i'm glad don't worry specified because it's the third time and not just because it's me no you're like the winner you're the leader you were one of the first episodes ever here comes andrew shiavone one day uh you were one of the first episodes ever and then we did election night 2016 that's right that was 2016 or 2020 whatever andrew hey can you hear me yeah we're already recording i hope that's okay you're live oh my god the pressure's on (laughs) yeah i wanted to just double check is this too distracting behind me no what i can do virtual background no virtual is distracting i'll tell you what's distracting though it's very bright on your face you look like a ghost you look ghostly (laughs) i am very pale all right what about oh this is worse (laughs) you just made it yeah (laughs) Damn it. That's no, all right. Looks great. You look great. You look like a you look like powder. Great. Yeah, that's uh, that gets all the ladies. <laughs> Did you guys see that film? You guys were probably 7 when Powder came out. I remember seeing the trailer when I was a kid and I was like uh scared of him. He looks scary. That's a perfect way to get into an anxiety <laughs> podcast. Afraid of Powder. But no, I agree cuz he looked a little AIDSy and all and white. Yeah. Yeah, it's somebody you don't see often. If if you saw powder like in a in an elevator, you'd probably be like, "Is he going to give me something?" <laughs> it's a good point. I have to be honest; I never saw the film, but I remember powder came out at the same time, the same weekend, I believe. Someone could fact check me as the Truman Show, and the mm. Truman Show was like this big deal. Although I'm not a big fan of the movie, but it was a huge deal, and I remember. A bunch of people from my high school, they couldn't get in to the Truman Show because they bought tickets or they showed up late or whatever, and they had to go see Powder. 
And it was oh, like a wow. running gag. And they're like, enjoy powder, you fucking losers. <laughs> so, I mean, the Truman Show is really bad. I, I just don't know why would anyone would want to watch him as a baby, like 24 seven. Like, <laughs> that was my thing with that movie. And it was ahead of its time. And now I'm just doing my other podcast. Check out Joe and Ron on talk movies, but that I never made sense to me. I understand it was ahead of its time in this reality show thing. We're going to follow a life, which it, it, it is, it did predict the future. Well, with TikTok, yes. everything's on the thing. streaming, but the idea of that show being successful, the first two years is insane mm -hmm. yeah would you ever twitch stream just a baby <laughs> living you know like yeah no it would be horrible i'm jealous yeah. of uh truman because he's not worried about how many likes he's getting that's true yeah <laughs> but ed harris has to worry for him but also <laughs> i never understood the scene where he's like i bet it'll be a lady on a bike a car and a whatever Mm -hmm. But they're all mic'd. So why wouldn't the director just be like, okay, stop the bike, hold the bike. Right. And right. then immediately she could be like, yeah, no, it didn't come by. It just it's got some flaws, obviously. But uh, by the way, you can see Steve boiling, who just Jim carries his God. And I feel like he's going to snap. Oh, no, <laughs> I'm, I'm actually, that's not my, my movie. I want him. I want him a hundred percent funny. And that one yeah. I think differs from that. Also, I always think about the syndrome that it created where people think they actually think that they're in the Truman Show. Like people think that that's a, a thing. They think like the camera's on them, you mean? Yeah, there's people that think that they're like the whole world is acting around them. Like it's an actual syndrome. Steve, can I ask, do you have a mic stand, but also you're holding the mic stand? <laughs> yeah. It's like a Rolling Stones guy. It's, yeah, you, uh, it's short. So, uh, and so is the mic stand, but, uh, uh, so I have to put it on my lap. I see. It just feels like you could just hold the microphone. All right. I'll hold it. I mean, do whatever you want. I just thought it was funny. You look like Freddie Mercury when he had the half mic stand <laughs> who also had AIDS ironically. Yeah, it's true. Powder. I gotta, um, I gotta tell you, Joe, uh, real quick. That reminded me when I first saw you perform, well, we were in the green room together at New York comedy club and you came off the stage and I was like, that was great. And you said, no, that said had AIDS. And then <laughs> you just stared at your phone and didn't talk to anybody. And then you left. <laughs> I don't remember that at all. Jesus. Do you say that often when you have a bad set? No, that doesn't even sound like something I would. I mean, it sounds like something I would say, but it doesn't. It's definitely not in my repertoire. It was, it was, it was part of a rant. You said that sucked. That sucked. That set at AIDS. And then you, then you left the green room. Oh, geez. I hope I wasn't. Did I offend anybody? Was anyone upset? No, I, I was worried for you. I didn't know. You seemed pretty upset. <laughs> oh, God. Well, I've, I haven't been there in a while. The, uh, the set was in powder. <laughs> oh, speaking I see. Of, speaking of powder, can you tell the difference between my head and the wall? Like, <laughs> yeah, I'm yeah, the, starting to be self conscious now. Yeah, the wall's not bothering me. <laughs> uh, um, no, I'm only joking. Um, Am I blending in with my wall? No, because I, I was going to say your wall, your wall has a nice haircut. <laughs> I'm no. hoping the headphones are framing. Yeah, the, the headphones the work and the background work. But we, we got to get serious here. This is a serious, hard-hitting podcast. We're just goofing around and being being goof nuts and talking movies. Serious. I'm going to take the mic out of the stand for this. This is... <laughs> <laughs> This is in, this is insane. We got. I mean, we got to get together. First of all, the fact that Steve has a better setup than me is really bothering me. And also, you're so tan, Steve. You look. You just look yeah. nice compared to Andrew, particularly. I know. Really, this is my favorite horrible. thing. Is that this? Our screens are next to each other, and it, it's literally what's happening right now. There's a wall in between you and I. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you mean you and I? Yeah. This is yeah. weird because Steve is in the same building that I'm in right now. But and I'm down the street. And you're right down the street. And so it, we should all be together, but I don't know how to set up the camera. I don't have a studio. I got to do a thing because otherwise we'd be sitting three abreast on the couch. It would look ridiculous. Right. Well, I'll give you an anxiety thing that to get it back to anxiety is I record Please. a podcast with Andrew and the first half hour is us having a, a, a little anxiety meltdown about the cameras and the lighting and and everything just that's not for, it's not part of the podcast for anyone no it, it's we, just right there we just freak out like is this right are people going to care about this and we never hear anything from anybody <laughs> We're, it's just for our own anxiety 
Well, that's because, what's. Oh, go good. ahead. No, you go ahead. It, it ends up looking good, but we have to go through that bickering for a half hour. So you make it work. I mean, that's like, it's metaphorical. It's like life. You got to go through all this stuff and it ends mm. up being fine always. That's true. But you don't have to go through that stuff. That's the real lesson here. But also, you guys don't have an audience, so that helps. <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah, you can't get negative reviews if, if there's no one listening. Because I have an audience, and it, it, it's in my head, and it's because every time they'll be upset with this, that this was too silly, or you, we should be together, or they're like, you should go back to Zoom. And, and everyone always has the opposite complaint. Somebody's like, right. you're too liberal, and someone else is like, you're alt-right, and then this oh, is... Geez. Yeah, I, I get I get both. And then the sound, we should be doing this, we should be doing that. I'm having buzzing in my ear. Are you guys hearing that, or is that my tinnitus acting up? It might be your tinnitus. It might be, is your phone, cell phone on your headphones? Or near it? No, no. Okay, sometimes that happens to me. No, I think I just have, uh, I think it's just, do you guys get this every once in a while? Because Sarah gets it, which makes me feel better. I have constant buzzing. That's why I need a little sleep noise thing. Because I have like, but every once in a while, it'll go like aggressive, like a fucking car bomb just went off in a movie where it's like, and you go like deaf for a second. You guys ever get that? No. Sometimes when I'm really hungry, but that usually means I'm about to pass out or something. When you're hungry, you get it? Yeah. When I'm hungry, you know, my vision kind of gets blurry and I hear ringing. How hungry are you? (laughs) I get pretty hungry. He's so hungry. He swallowed a landmine apparently. (laughs) I'm trying to do intermittent fasting. So when I first did that, I, I was, it was brutal with the ringing and the, the blurriness. What do you do? How many hours? 16? I usually stop eating at 8 and then start eating at 12.31. I don't know how long that is. Yeah, that's about 8 hours in between. That's 16.8. Yeah, okay. And are you still doing it? Do you like it? Yeah, it's just so... Uh, if, if now if I eat late, I can't sleep. I'm too bloated and I feel horrible. <laughs> I think because of the guilt too. I don't know, but... So now I have to do it just to sleep right. Yeah, I'm the same way. Well, I have this reflux issue. And so I don't eat within like three or four hours, but it is better. It's great. I was just thinking about this last night. I was talking about it because Steve, I see you you ordered Domino's and you're living the life I led like a few years ago. It's insane to me to think now that I used to eat like a DiGiorno pizza and two Cokes at like one in the morning and go straight to bed. Yep. Yeah. Insane. But Steve, you're doing that now. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and Domino's. I, can't I didn't have Domino's you. last night. I didn't say last night. I'm saying oh. in general. I know oh, you like okay. Domino's. Oh, yeah. Man. I, uh, this is a secret I never knew. I will say the last couple of times uh, Joe's been over, there's been Domino boxes everywhere. <laughs> like It looks like I'm building a fort. Yeah, and there's, Dom- ironically, your cat's in the background. There's been Domino boxes everywhere. We go over their house. It's just piles of pizza crusts and Domino's. <laughs> and all of a sudden, we got two mice in our house. <laughs> no. Ooh. Two mice. And I heard there was flies as well. All right. Is it? <laughs> I don't have flies. You got flies? I don't have flies. I thought they're in the hallway, Steve. There was, there, uh, Joe gave me crap about flies at one point, and that's what we were talking about. All right. Well, so I'm a little suspect because I let <laughs> my, two, my two buddies move into my home. And first of all, they almost got kicked out because they threw a fucking rager in the backyard. On our recent episode, I kind of gave Steve a hard time about it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. By the way, you, you spilled the, the beans, Joe. Oh, yeah. It's Panic Attacking Podcast. Similar to this, except we talk about what made us anxious this week. We sometimes have a therapist guest, and we sometimes have a comic guest who has anxiety. Oh, wow. That sounds very much like mine but uh um, <laughs> well, ours was first our, ours came out first yeah but people heard mine first. <laughs> um but we gotta get it we gotta get it together get here. this it. is like silly i mean this is jokey jokey fun but no steve brought mice into my house but <laughs> this is steve's third time on my podcast so nobody gives a shit about him andrew Let's get into you because I don't really know you. I, I heard you're a funny guy. I don't know. I said AIDS to you once. I feel bad about it. But <laughs> now you're a complete mess as well. Is that right? That's absolutely right. I'm a different mess than Steve and maybe you. I, I have a lot of social anxiety triggers and all that. I see therapists about it. And I've had this in my whole life. Now, what do you, when you, when you talk about social anxiety, what are you talking? Because you're in the green room at New York Comedy Club what is it? I assume you've improved a bit, but what is it like yeah. when you're walking into a comedy club? Are you 
is your heart rate going up? Are you like, oh my God, this is going to suck. Everyone's going to hate me. What is it? What does it look like? What does it smell like? What does it feel like? Well, New York, I've been there a couple of years, so I feel comfortable there. So I walk in, I tend to know all the comics and know the staff. So I'm good there. Like I feel kind of comfortable there, but if I go to a place I'm not passed at or welcomed at, I'm a uh, kind of a mess. I just, um, my knees lock and I kind of just stand weird, you know, like I just, I, I constantly feel like I'm, I'm bothering somebody, you know, like I don't go up to a group or I just stand there and I hope somebody's like, Hey, who are you? Yeah. That's not unlike Steve. Steve, I feel like you're similar to that in some ways. You always think you're bothering somebody. Yeah. I constantly think I'm a burden. Like um, there's this new show in Astoria and I kind of wanted to hang out there yesterday. It's at like McLaughlin's bar on Broadway. So I, I was like, you know what? I, I got to like amp up things are opening. I'm going to show more face and, and hang out more. And then I went there and uh, I started like looking in the windows just to scope out the situation. Sure. And the bartender saw me and, and he was like, come on in, we're open. And you know, I can't talk to him. I just want to see if the comedy show is still happening or if it's good. And then I see the producer, like there's a back room. So I go in cause I saw the producer who posted about the show and I'm about to talk to him and I just completely roll my ankle in front of the bartender and the producer. And I just leave, I, you know, I just get out of there. I should have just sent a message. I, me going there hurt my chances wow. of getting booked. Yeah. It's like George Costanza. My, my presence in that office can only hurt my chances. <laughs> <laughs> um, how did you roll? What did you roll your ankle on? There was like a little incline when you walk to the bar and and I and it kind of is like not centered with the with the floor so I kind of stepped off of that and then and then I had to catch myself on a pool table oh, oh Jesus that's the worst but no I I relate to that so much and I still have that now particularly now I'm like in my head with like Brooklyn shows when I do a Brooklyn show because first of all it's just yes. such a, a a young hip woke area so i feel like i'm on it i feel, in my mind everybody in brooklyn has listened to my podcast they've heard me say you know come in my face and homo or whatever and so they're all like here comes this and i'm friends with louis so i feel like they're like this guy's friends with the rapist he's friends with ari shafir he's gonna be a piece of shit that's going on in my head and then there's also this thing where i i've there's you've just the longer you're doing comedy or in any business the more people you've met and the more people you're like, I think I'm supposed to know that person. I, I think that person knows who I am. And a lot of times in comedy, particularly with podcasts, people go, hey, list. And I never have actually met them. So I'm always afraid I'm going to offend everybody or everyone's going to be mad at me. And that thing, a lot of these Brooklyn shows, it's at an apartment or in a bar. And you're like, I don't know where to stand. I don't know where we go. I don't know where yes. people hang. I don't right. know who hates me. So I, I relate. And that's it's stressful the whole time. And you're just hoping for that one person do you guys have like lists of people that you're like if i see this person i'm like great thank all God. the time yeah yeah it's just somebody that I, I kind of known a while in the scene and then if i don't know them a while i kind of feel like i'm bothering them so i hope they say hi to me first right well you know what i mean then i have a thing too that i'm like because this has happened before i've experienced this from the outside i remember like 20 years ago or whatever 17 years ago doing a gig i still live in boston i was doing a gig in New York, it was like a contest. There was a bunch of Boston people there. And then all these New York people were all standing in a circle. It was like Julian McCullough, Kurt Metzger, Big J, and, and Vecchione was there. And it was guys I knew of, but I didn't really know. Um, and I remember there was a Boston comic. We were sitting over here and, and he was like, dude, when you move to New York, don't become like these clicky assholes who don't talk to anyone else. And I remember thinking even then, I'm like, well, aren't we doing the same thing? I yeah. think they just know each other. And yes. I hear that a lot in comedy, and I guess most businesses are like this. They're like, oh, they're clicky. Those are club guys. Are these these guys? And I'm like, I'm just talking to people I know. I would be happy for you to come over here and start talking. I just am terribly shy. I'm not like some elitist. I just don't know how to start talking to other people. Yeah, the worst is when you walk into a place and there's already like a circle of a conversation and no one invites you in. Like, what do you do in that situation, Joe? Do you just stand or do you go into the group? Well, now... The phone, this is where the phone comes in. And it's like a blessing and a curse because it allows you to go, I can at least pretend, I'll sit over here and pretend I'm really working. But the whole time I'm like, I want to be socializing. I want to hang out. I want to make friends. But you're like, they're not welcoming me and I don't feel well, I don't feel comfortable going in there. 
Yes. So I'll just look at my phone. And Doug Stanhope had a great bit about this 25 years ago about I used to have this too, and I'd go to bars. And you just pretend to be watching whatever bullshit's on the TV. You really want to be social, but you're like, oh, I'm just really into this. I forget what his example was. I really like international lacrosse games. <laughs> and you sit there and you really stare. But I, I have that constantly. Yeah. I was doing that with cell phones before they had apps. Like I was, I had a flip, I remember I had a, I had a flip phone in like middle school or whatever. And just being like, oh no, I'm, I'm, I'm in my phone, but there's like nothing on it. I just playing snake. <laughs> Like how it's, fun could that be? It's hard. And I get jealous because some people like Sean Donnelly's a guy, Sean, he's a guy <laughs> yeah. that he just, just, he did There's Some people that just got that social thing or they're, they're comfortable or they're not self-conscious. They just walk in and go, what's up guy. How you doing? Yeah. And like, they just yeah. start talking to people, which is funny. Cause again, years ago, Donnelly <laughs> came on a gig to Boston and he was drunk and he just started going, what's up guy. Look at these guys. What's going on. And I'm like, we're going to get, beat up because I, I grew up there <laughs> and I'm like talking to strangers in Boston. You'll get like fucking bottles. Someone will smash a bottle over your head. And he's like, well, I'm hanging out. What's up? This guy knows I'm getting. And I'm like, no, no, they hate you. <laughs> they hate us. you can't. Which I think is like part of it for me. I don't know about you guys. I'll say my thing and volley it back to one or both of you. But my family, we were always together. It was like 25 people. It was a big extended family. But we never reached, went out to other groups. My family was never yes. part of the community. It was always mm. us. And it was just, if someone else came in, they're like, who's this person? What's going on? Who's that guy? I don't like that guy. And so we never branched out. My family is still like that. And like I said, also, maybe this is in my head, but in New England, people were very uh, standoffish a lot of the times. And so it was like, if you're like, hey, do you guys want to have a beer? They're like, why? What's up with you? You want to fuck <laughs> And you're like, shit, never mind, never mind. So right. I think that was part of it. Does that drive with any of you? Pyramid scheme. Is that what you're doing? Andrew, uh, where I did know. you where are you from? Washington, DC, Virginia. And same thing, my dad and my mom. We didn't even have an extended family. They grew up in Philly and then moved to DC by themselves. And they really didn't have any friends or or anything. And we would go. I remember we got invited to a block party and the neighbor asked me, and I went to my dad. I'm like, we should go. It sounds fun. And he's like, nah. <laughs> like I think they so. actively avoided socializing, and yeah. I think it affected me a lot. I think he said a black party. Oh, um, which is well, it's similar. Yeah, I guess so. Um, but my family was the same too. Like we had the big baseball parade with the start of the baseball season. I remember everyone seemed to know each other, and we just didn't talk to anybody. <laughs> it was yeah. weird. And you think it's genetics that affected your? anxiety i think it's a mixture of both for me i wasn't like i think i have like my dad's dna of not wanting to talk to people well i think i mean my therapist believes and i believe whatever he believes because he's my god but I, I think it's learned behavior i don't think like i don't think there's some dna blood thing in your if you pick, pricked your finger they wouldn't be like oh he's an introvert it's, <laughs> it's learned it's learned behavior right i mean steve I, I agree. I just know, like, I mean, anxiety is instinct, but I think that uh, social anxiety is definitely learned behavior. Yeah, I think all, all this stuff is learned. Uh, wait, I had another story or something about baseball. Oh, this my first day, and I think I've talked about this before on this podcast. I remember my first day of kindergarten. This is how it's like, this is how you know it started really early in our lives. I never went to preschool for whatever reason. I've still never gotten that answer Same. from my family, but me I too. think it fucked me up. Um, oh, wow. Steve just graduated preschool a couple of weeks ago. <laughs> well, he had to repeat it a couple of times. <laughs> um, but so I never went to preschool. So I remember showing up to kindergarten first day with my mother and she dropped me off and I could not stop crying. And I remember thinking... And I heard Dave Chappelle say this in an interview, which I loved him forever after that. I loved him anyways, but he was like, it felt like everybody had met each other. Mm. Did you guys have that feeling? It felt like everyone was already socializing. It's just like you talked about a minute ago, Andrew. Like it felt like everyone was already chatting and I walked in and I, to this day, I still feel like that. Everybody knows each other. Everybody likes each other. And I'm just going, Hey everybody, what's up? Worst feeling ever. And yeah. And also I wanted to bring this up to, do you ever feel like, when you're in, and there's a group conversation and somebody's like, Oh, Hey, what's going on? You ever feel like they're just like pitying you? 
I feel that sometimes too, where I'm like, it's okay. You don't have to talk to me. <laughs> yes. I know you're just doing this to be nice and you don't want to hear my story about how I got here. Yeah, it's hard. And I have to do that too consciously in my mind when I'm having a conversation is like, okay, just breathe and listen and don't try to get through it. In my mind, I'm like, let me just get out of this. Yes, like, all the time. I'm, I just want this, not because I don't like the person, I don't care about the person. I'm just like, this is stressing me. I can feel my heart rate going up and my, my eyes starting to like blink and I get all fucked up and I'm like, I can't wait this to be over. Wow. Because I do remember one time it, it worked, I think it was like first grade. It worked out where I was like, had to sit by myself at a table. You know, all the tables were filled and I had to sit by myself and it was very traumatizing when you're young and you're sitting by yourself. And I remember this kid came over and was like, Hey man, you're just by yourself. And I'm like, you don't have to talk to me. I know I'm alone. <laughs> I like got all defensive that he was like, you know, pitying me or whatever. Oh, but that guy's sweet. I love that guy. I know, but I couldn't uh, let him in my heart. You know, I've, uh, I was like, just go, go. It's okay. Sit with, with people. No, I understand. I understand your feeling, but looking back now, I'm like, that's so sweet of that guy. I know. Yeah. I, uh, yeah, I should have, but I was already sitting by myself. So I was already a loser. You know, like the fact that he was nice to me, he should have did that at the beginning. I feel like. Right. I, I already was branded like, oh, this is the guy sitting by myself. And in my head, I'm like, everyone knows you're just being nice. Yeah. Uh, so I, I don't know, but I feel like I have that moment a lot in group conversations and stuff where I'm like, oh, this guy is just doing this to be nice. Well, anytime you see me in a comedy place, you come right over. <laughs> well, I'm kind of, you're gonna you're gonna be like guy from first grade. Yeah, I'm, I'm happy to I'm happy to have you. I'll bring it. I'll bring you in, Steve. Don't I bring you in? You bring it in better than anyone. I I it's because it's some you're someone that has the same feelings. When someone's like like you, I think it's the best because they're like I know exactly how this person's feeling and I know what to do. Yeah, I try to get everybody involved. Andrew, how come you never yeah. come to the park hang? I was gunning to I was going gunning to going to uh, last week, but then. Steve got stuck at a cell phone store. Yeah. And I didn't want to go by myself. I, did, I wanted him. I, 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 wanted, see. I wanted a plus one. Yeah, I hear you. Next I, time, I was going to do fucked us. <laughs> I was going to do the lunch table <laughs> thing with Andrew. And then uh, the lunch lady uh, sat me down and took forever to switch my plan over. <laughs> um, I don't know if that makes sense, but I, I laughing. I have a uh, another funny story. But, but while we're at it, let, let's plug the podcast early because a lot of people are going to bail on this before the end. <laughs> Uh, the podcast is called Panic Attacking. Is that right? Yeah, yes. Joe, you've been a guest on over the summer, but we our tech was really bad, so we would love to have you back. Oh, that's right. I remember. Yeah, well, this the is tech like was a, the worst thing we ever. It was like one of our first zooms. Yeah, I remember that. It was horrendous. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, that episode had AIDS. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it was not not good. I mean, it was a good podcast, but it was, t I kept, I think you kept freezing or I kept freezing. I kept so, freezing. Yeah. I look like a 16 bit super Nintendo pixel. <laughs> it, it was awful. And so we have it set up now at my apartment where we have like cameras and mics and stuff, but we, oh, you have okay. to hear us bicker for a half hour. Oh, that's fine. I'll come. I wish you had 16 bits. Um, <laughs> zinger. Uh, one time I was at, um, this is along these lines, but a little bit different than social anxiety. I guess it's somewhat anxiety, but talking about our personality types. But um, maybe I told Steve this before because I tried to do it as a bit, but whatever. I was at Burger King in Copley Plaza in Boston, and there's like an upstairs dining area. So I went in and this is a city. It's like a, in the middle of the city. And I went and got my Burger King double cheeseburger, whatever. And it was on the tray. And I was like, I'm going to go upstairs. I'll sit up there and maybe I'll look out over Copley Square. So I walk up the stairs and when I got to the top of the stairs, it was like 25 inner city high school kid. It was like a high school lunch. And there's like 25 teenagers. And I was like, ah, shit. Like right away, I was like, fuck. I'm like a I fucking. I would have turned right around. A gangly nerd. But I could because it was I didn't want it to look racial. These are oh, African-American yeah. kids. So I don't want it to look. I don't want to just see a group of black people and be like, never mind. Right. But. I wish I had because I sat in the window like I had planned. I was like, all right, let's eat it. And right away, it was just like roast battle, except I didn't get a turn. It was like, <laughs> look at this, look at this gangly, whatever. And then they started like whipping food at me. Like they were like, oh, throwing God. Fries. And I just sat there quietly with my back to them, eating my fucking sandwich as fast as possible and trying to act like, eh, I don't even notice any of this. That's, my, like, that's my move too. Yeah. 
It was like, awesome. look at this goofy ass Harry Potter, yada yada, and like just like just getting hit with ketchup buckets <laughs> and French oh my fries. God. How, how like, old were you, minutes. Joe? How old were you? I was an adult. I mean, I was in the <laughs> oh city by God. myself. I'm probably 20, 20, 22, 21, somewhere around then. Oh man, that happened to me at 7 Eleven when I was uh last I think, week. I, yeah, when I was 2021, 20, there was uh, you know, same kind of group at the checkout, and my buddy's like, let's just go. It's you know, they were there. And I was like, no, I, I, let's go. I, I we're going out. So I got an energy drink and the energy drink was one of those off brand. And it had a weird cap that was round. And I went to the, to pay and they were like, you're going to stick that in your ass. <laughs> and I was like, no, I'm just going to drink it. And they just kept saying I'm gay. And, and uh, it was humiliating it ruined the whole night. These guys sound like they should be guests on my podcast. <laughs> Tuesdays with stories. I love these guys. <laughs> Um, <laughs> I literally, and then my friend and I just walked out in shame and same thing. We just stood there and took it. We couldn't do anything. It really, I think we went home. Well, that's the thing is like, what am I going to do in that situation? Like scold them, beat them up. Like, you're just There's no comeback. Yeah, yeah. You're the one who looks like Harry Potter. They don't, you know what? Uh, you, you're kind of at the disadvantage there. You yeah, can't say no, you do or something. Yes. Nor can I be like, I'll tell you what you look like. I mean, it's gonna be, it's gonna get ugly. I mean, right, you can't exactly. even confuse people's names without being labeled an asshole. <laughs> One time, I was waiting for Andrew to at LOL, and they wouldn't let me upstairs, so I just waited out front. And a group of kids walked by and started calling me an undercover cop. And they started roasting me on, on how I was horrible at stakeouts. And like, That's funny. Like, they're going to report me to my, my chief and everything. And I'm like, Andrew, please come downstairs. It was I the think, worst. I think they I went can't in, do anything. I just they probably went into the show to give me a hard time. Though at least those guys are funny. It's like hilarious. Yeah, it's fu- it's always funny, but it's like, I, I don't know what to do. And I, I hate myself. Right. Same. Well, uh, I, that this reminds me of, and Andrew, your story earlier reminded me of when I first started doing comedy in Boston. Well, I was around for like a year and I did this one open mic chops lounge for a year. And I started doing a couple others, but the comedy connection was like the main club in Faneuil hall. It was like this big a club where all these national headliners would come. It was an amazing room. I saw Regan there for the first time I met DePaulo there and Colin oh, Quinn wow. and it was amazing. But so I went there one time cause my friend Lamont was like, you got to come hang out at the comedy connection. So I went and bought a ticket. I was like probably a year and a half into comedy. I was like 19 and I just bought a ticket and went and sat. And as I was walking in, like I saw all these comics hanging in the back corner where the comics hung and I sat down and my friend Lamont price, who it like makes me emotional. He came over and Steve's emotional. He's rubbing his eye, but <laughs> my friend Lamont came over and goes, man, what the fuck are you doing? He's also black. He's, he's like, what the fuck are you doing? He's like, this is get over. You don't buy a ticket. The comic, you come hang out with the comics. And I like, I like felt goosebumps and I still oh, like man. well up with emotion because it was like the nicest thing anyone's ever done for me in this business, my entire career. That warms he's my like, heart. Get out of here. Come yeah. over here. We all need that guy. We need a, we need a Lamont. Yeah. You said no to that guy in, in, in the lunchroom, Andrew. I know <laughs> I did. And that reminds me of the first time I moved to New York, the stand was just recently opened and the same thing. I got a ticket cause I wanted to show face. So they sat me right in the front <laughs> and big J Okerson was, was like, has anyone else told you your sweater's gay? And everyone laughed. And I'm like, no. And then he just ragged on me for looking like I'm gay. And then I, I had to leave. I paid to, to get called that. It didn't help my career at all. I have two stories like that. My friend, Michael <laughs> Sherman, who I love. And uh, one of my best buds for years, he wanted to go see Robin Williams. Robin Williams was doing one night, one night only at the Comedy Connection. And so he bought tickets and because they were sold out. They were like, no, guys, comics can't hang in the back. So we bought tickets. And I don't know if he bought them earlier or what, or if there was some jokester involved, but they put us front row, stage left. And the entire show, Robin Williams kept calling back to like, look at these fags over here. <laughs> And this is, you know, this is in back when you could say fags. And I mean, it was a running gag. Like he would do a bit and he's like, and so then I divorced her because of these fags. (laughs) And it was like 90 minutes of like us being like, whoop. And and I worked there. It wasn't like I was a new comic who just moved to town. That was my home club. Like I knew the waitstaff. They all knew me. They're on the back like, oh, he's trashing lists. Like. It was brutal. 
Um, and At least then, he's famous. You know, that's a good. He was an Oscar winner. I mean, this yeah, is post Jewel Hunting. Yeah. Uh, 24 hour photo. Oh, yeah. That's a movie. <laughs> that's a movie. <laughs> I just saw it the other day. That's why. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's a movie. Wow. Way to, way to pick one of his greatest. Yeah. <laughs> I know. I mean, I'm like, hey, from great. Hook. <laughs> that, that guy for 24 hour photo would call you. A, a slur you know yeah sorry i'm sorry i'm using slurs as you got this is why i hate doing brooklyn shows i get nervous but i'm quoting i mean what are you gonna do i can't tell yeah. the story without quoting That's i know hilarious. i just can't quote your quote right and it becomes a whole like it loses uh relevance or whatever yeah i hear you i apologize for putting everyone in an uncomfortable position and i pardon my language i hate myself i'll kill myself at some point <laughs> but um my but the, aids yeah, um, but the Lamont thing, I remember a few years ago, and we had one of my good buddies, Isabel Hagen, who wasn't my good buddy at the time. She's been on the show. She was she did new faces at Montreal and I was doing it. And she messaged me and was like, hey, I'm going to come to your show at the festival. And I wrote back, oh, don't come to my show because, you know, me, I live in New York. Go to any other show at the festival because True. you can see me anytime. That's ridiculous. You've already you, we're, we know each other. And she wrote back, well, I don't really know what show to, I don't even, and I realized, oh, this is one of these social anxiety things of like, oh, I'll just go see the one person I know at this entire festival. Mm -hmm. And it reminded me that first time I did that festival was like, I don't know how to just walk into a show. What do I do? I just walk in and watch Mark Marin. <laughs> she came to my show and then was just like sitting there like a sad, lonely douche afterwards. And I was like, all right, hey, I was like, this is my chance to be Lamont Price. I was like, just come right. with me. Wherever I go, you just come along. And it was that. We ended up becoming friends. But that, that feeling of like, oh, I know what's going on. In my mind, I'm like, don't come to my show, you idiot. Go watch anybody. And she's like, no, I am, I don't know anybody. Yeah, it's always so it nice, nice. That, to have somebody you know in a foreign place or a different place. Oh, yeah. Like, the only shows I ever go hang out at, Joe is probably on it. <laughs> <laughs> Mine or Steve. I'm a tear below. We just have a little train going. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. A caterpillar. No, that's it's, why that's why I wasn't at the park. He moved he messed up the the uh production stream. I know supply well, chain. at least you're not making me feel bad about it. <laughs> but the park hang is nice. what's nice about the park hang is we're like seated in a circle. So it's a little more oh. easy. Like, oh, I just pull up in here where like a club sometimes feels, or especially those like comedy has the, the festivals, like the just for laughs fest, there'll be like 500 people there. So you're, mm -hmm. it's so hard to find. And a lot of times I'm like, oh, I'm talking to this one asshole that I met at some club in Wyoming just because mm -hmm. he's, he's lonely. So I'm, I'm talking to like the worst guy. And I'm like, I'd rather be in my room. I don't yes. even right. like, this person's not interesting to me and I could tell they're just want to talk to me because they're uncomfortable, but it's important to try to remember that everybody else is going through their own anxiety. Nobody's yeah. as comfortable as we think they are. I think. Right. And that's my nightmare being that guy, the Wisconsin loser comic, you know, like, I don't want to be him at a party. <laughs> and also do you ever have uh, so like Steven and I went to Graham K's birthday party a week ago and there was a situation where everyone was in a circle, but there were some empty seats, some, you know, mostly were filled, but I had this thing where I was like, well, I don't want to take anyone's seat. So I'm just going to keep standing. You ever have that Joe? What do you do when, when there's empty seats at a circle? Do you just sit down confidently or do you ask people or do yeah. you not even engage with it? I don't know. I guess. I mean, it's hard. I mean, it gets my heart rate. I mean, there's no better feeling to me. And, and Sarah, my wife is similar, which is we've bonded over is like getting out. Once you're outside of a social situation and you're like, "Woo, we did it. <laughs> we did it. I'm like, I'm proud of you. I saw you talking to that guy. That was good. I talked Did you see me talk to that guy. And it is like when you're like, okay, we did it. We got it in. We go home, but it's hard. I mean, like it is very, difficult i don't know it's a it's a strange situation sometimes you sit and let people come to you that's like a better method but i can't tell you how many times i've walked all the way to the back wall of a party yes. and then turned around and walked right back out the front and leave yes oh or just <laughs> like start that. the yeah. process over again like you're back oh. to the front and then you're like maybe i'll walk to the back again like you just keep walking waiting for someone to stop you and be like hey right yeah i do that i pretend to go to the fridge or something and i just open it and close it 
if Andrew wasn't at Graham's party, I would have been gone in three seconds. <laughs> <laughs> and it's so funny because we both got invited separately and we didn't tell the other one we were going because we didn't think the other one was invited. <laughs> That's hilarious. I've done that many times too. I've done that with like weddings. We're like, oh, oh yeah. You get to the wedding and you see like your best friend. You're like, hey, I didn't know you were coming. You're like, I didn't know you were coming. <laughs> oh man. But yeah. those park hangs and like that's why I I I uh, I like Joe, like I like what you do because those park hangs. I'll be sitting in a circle. I've worked with those comics, but I'm like, uh, they they're not gonna remember me. There's no way they know who I am. And then Ryan Hamilton's like, hey, how's it going, man? It's been a while. And I'm like, oh, I was in my head. Like well, Ryan's the, the nicest, yeah. Yeah, I was just, like, that's the first time I made eye contact with Vecchione and not like <laughs> left. It's like, is those those circles uh, eliminate that anxiety? Well, I think particularly with comics too, and I, I try not to ever be like, well, comics, we're this way because I feel like that's done too much, and I feel like everyone's more similar than we act. But I do feel like comics are particularly in their head yes. constantly. Because I think a lot of times with a lot of other professions, they could put it away. They're like, I work, I'm a cop, but here I am just sitting here in the park. I'm off duty. But mm -hmm. comics, it feels like you're always like, what time's my next set? What should I be doing now? And I think other professions do that as well. Again, I don't want to sound like um, no. excluding, but. I agree, Joe. And I want to say, I think we're the most self-aware profession too, because we got to listen to our sets. We, we constantly get a reaction based on what we say. So mm -hmm. even in conversations, I'm like, was that? the thing I'm about to say, is this good? You know, like I kind of like always, I'm too self-aware in social situations too. And I think comedy's helped it and hurt it. I feel like. Yeah, absolutely. It's also coming into my head. I'm like, what if I've lost it? Nothing funny is coming up. And then you get like, sometimes you get like introduced as being funny or this guy's a comedian when you're at those things and you're like, Oh Jesus. And I feel all the time, especially on the road, like meeting fans and stuff that I am like horribly uh disappointing people me too and they're I over, like i overcompensate by talking to them a really long time so they can't like you ever do that like i'm like i haven't given them their uh their worth yet you know my worth yet yes exactly and the i almost could go on way too long and it's uncomfortable for both of us well it's, i deal you guys have a podcast together so you'll be connected but i have the podcast with mark obviously which is what most people know me for and mark is so social and and silly and goofy and on that I'll come and people are like, we hung out with Mark. We went bowling with Mark. <laughs> we went to this mic. And I'm like, oh, that's that's great. Uh, gotta go. I'll see you later. And people are like, do you want to go to this bar show in uh, in Bumble Tits? And I'm like, no. No, <laughs> not really. I'm going to go watch a movie. I I've done that one. I got no lines. I just keep going, thank you. I appreciate it. Uh, and I have my head down. And I just feel like they hate me. Nobody gives a fuck. They're just like, they're so disappointed. Mm -hmm. And... Um, but what's yeah, the ideal hard. thing? What's the ideal ending to that? Go bowling with them for four hours? Like, who has the time to, and the I, mental willpower? Yeah, I mean, I, I'm just, I just feel like I'll disappoint. And there should be some distance, don't you think? I mean, like, I, Bruce Springsteen's yeah. not shooting pool with me, for God's sake. No. Sakes. And you just gave them the show. Like, you, you gave them the thing that they came for. I don't think people come for the hang after. Yeah, oh, I remember... This is like a big moment in my life where I, obviously I'm a big Pearl Jam guy and I've seen him 40 something times. And I went and saw him at Madison Square Garden. I got a text after the show. Amazing show. Fucking three hour thing. It's like a spiritual event for me. And I'm leaving and I'm sweating and I'm, I've lost my voice and my ears are ringing because of the music, not because I'm stressed. <laughs> and I'm like, what a night. And I get a text and my, a friend of mine is like, hey, I just got some inside knowledge. Pearl Jam is heading to Molly Wee Pub right oh now. My God. And I'm like, I don't think, I don't, I'm better at this now, but I had no mindfulness practice at the time. I'm like, we got to go. Come on. Yeah. And like, we're heading home to a diner. It's the best night of my life. I'm like, come on, let's go. I don't even drink. We go to this bar. So now I'm at the bar and I meet up with a couple people and there's a few of us hanging. And I'm just watching the door. Every time the door opens, I'm like, oh, is that Eddie? Is that? Huh? Yeah. And we're sitting there for like an hour. I'm not listening to anybody. Right. Because I keep looking to see if Pearl Jam's coming in. And I had this realization of like, what am I doing? What's going to happen <laughs> when they come in? They're just going to sit at a booth and I'm going to look at them. That's exactly realized, what happened. I'm like, I have a relationship with this band. They record music. I listen to it. 
They perform live. I come. I watch the show. They sing to me. I sing along. I go, woo, and then I leave. That's the relationship. Right. What am I going to do? Just uh, hunk up up at the bar. Hey, Mr. Vetter, you know, I, uh, I'm, I'm in entertainment, too. Like, I don't need to be friends with these people. Have you played the comedy connection? <laughs> you know what I mean? It's it's just that's the relationship. They perform. I consume it. They get my money. They get the thrill of of having entertained. And mm. I get the thrill of enjoying the music. I don't need to sit at a bar and try to look at them or meet them. Yeah, I know. I'm same way. And after shows, I, I, when I was younger, I would go with my brother and we would hang around the backstage entrance where they unloaded the bus all the time. And, you know, we would just look at them, load up their equipment and that was it. We were too nervous to talk to them. Well, and I'm like, why do we always do this? <laughs> this a, a lot of it too is, is ego in my mind. I'm like, I hung out with Pearl Jam. I, I want, right. I want that photo. And I want the story of like, oh, I fucking photo, hung yeah. out with those guys. I know them. And in reality, it's just better to be like, yeah, I've seen them a bunch. They're amazing. That being yeah. said, I hung out with a beetle and it was pretty cool. You hung like, out with a beetle? Yep. Which That's one? That's right. Um, George, he went to his grave. It was, uh, <laughs> it was George Martin. So it was, no, I, uh, Paul McCartney. I met Paul McCartney after a show and we chatted for a while. Oh my God. Yeah, it was pretty exciting. Have you ever talked about that on anything? Yeah, I told you, it's an epic, epic, but you know, this is my debut version of the story. <laughs> yeah, he, he just brought it up nonchalantly. <laughs> well, I'll listen to that. I, I don't want to like have you repeat it. I'll just well, listen. it was an epic episode of Tuesdays with Stories. I have a podcast called Tuesdays with Stories, and um, it was pretty epic. It was wild. I met Bruce Springsteen at the same Oh, my party. God. Yeah. One time I saw uh, Larry King, like brought up Paul McCartney. <laughs> I guess Larry King was the guest. And then and then uh, Paul McCartney was went to the he walked by Larry King and Larry King was like, I want you to meet my son. And, and Paul McCartney was like, hello. And he just kept walking. And I was like, Oh man, that was brutal. I think Larry well, King was expecting Paul to like talk to his son. Oh geez. Well, <laughs> what can you do? But I was thinking so that's cool King. that you talked to him. You got more attention than Larry King. Yeah. Larry King stinks. <laughs> um, what are you going to say, Steve? <laughs> I always think of the, on the topic of like meeting the people. I always think of that Adam Sandler story when he met uh, Rodney Dangerfield. He goes up to Rodney and he's like, "Hey, Rodney, you're you're great, man. You're like the reason I got into comedy." And and Rodney was like, "Oh, that's great, kid." And then Adam goes, "That's that's it." And and Rodney goes, "What do you want me to do? A fucking backflip?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's crazy our expectations when yeah. we tell somebody something. Yeah. <laughs> So I think that's like the thing with like the after shows, like there's not so much more that you can do than saying thank you. Yeah, it's hard. Well, how about um, this past weekend? Steve and I were in uh, Des Moines together, West Des Moines, Funny Bone. I'm so glad you're going to tell this story. Oh my God. A, we're standing behind a table. There's like a little table where you do mer like a merch table. We don't have merch. So we're just standing behind it to kind of give distance. And then not because of COVID, just because of social anxiety, but <laughs> yeah, this guy, I'm, I'm listening, a guy from the audience, like a big sort of like, you know, truck drivey muscle Iowa guy. I don't know what he thought. I think he just thought we were standing there having a chat. So he just came and was waiting for his girlfriend who was in the bathroom and he stood up against the table with his back to us in the table, just like standing here like this. So everybody's, we're, we're there to meet and greet the entire, and he was like one of the first people out. The entire audience walks through and he's standing in front, like he's boxing us out like Charles Barkley under the hoops. And he's just standing there <laughs> the whole time, the entire time the audience. And so nobody's even saying hello, no pictures, no autographs, because this man <laughs> is like consuming the space. And then dumb Steve is like, this guy kidding? Is he fucking kidding? And the guy's like, here's him. He's like looking back. I'm like, Steve, Steve. shut the fuck up. This guy's going to shoot us with his rifle that's attached to his truck. Oh uh, but it was hilarious. And then eventually he left and we couldn't stop laughing. But <laughs> he just totally blocked us out, boxed us out. And we, it was genuinely unclear if it was a bit, but I think he was just sort of clueless. Just, just standing I there. He, I think he was clueless, but the, the comedic, <laughs> the, the comedy of it, because he walked towards... <laughs> He walked towards us and I'm like, oh, another fan that's going to talk to Joe. And as he got to the table where you would say hello, then he spins around. Yeah. So it, 
it was just amazing. He was like literally shutting the door on us with his, <laughs> his back. And it didn't even so... smile, wink. He did not acknowledge <laughs> that for an hour and 10 minutes, the two of us had been standing there talking and entertaining him. That's what I think is strange. And I, I, some of it is their social anxiety. We have to be sensitive right. to other people's social anxiety. But it's f- interesting when you stand for like a meet and greet and the audience puts their head down and just walks right by. I'm like, you don't have to buy anything or say hello or say thank you. Just, just yeah. a smile, like, just like acknowledge that I was just speaking to you for an hour and I'm standing here. It's so, like, but that's like, you talk about social anxiety to me, meet and greet after a show is the oh, most man. anxiety inducing part of the entire career. Like that's more stressful than doing a set on TV to me. Yeah. It's bad because you want to talk to everybody. You want to give everyone an experience, but then there's too many and you feel like you're talking to one and then there's a line. And then, you know, Steve and I did a show. Where was that Steve last December? It was, uh, like in- it was in uh, New Hampshire. I'm, I'm blanking on the Manchester, Manchester, New Hampshire. Yeah. 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 It was, it was at a theater. It was like a mini theater. And then we had fans come up from Boston, you know, uh, how many were there, Steve? It was like 10. Yeah, 10, 10 listeners. We, we set up our table. We, we had like merch, stress balls we sell with the podcast on them. And they were just staring at us. We were staring at them. <laughs> we're like, you drove here for us. Come over. <laughs> and then uh, they came over and I, and I kind of freaked out. I was squeezing both of the balls. I, I let Steve do all the talking. It was, it was uh, yeah, they, they came from, from <laughs> Boston and the and they left and we're like, hey, great show. Message us on Instagram. And I'm like, come back in here and 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 we'll say hello. They oh, were I afraid. forgot that's what happened. They left. They were too. They just walked by us. Yeah, they were afraid to say hello, but we were also afraid that they hated the show. And right? Yeah, we were we subconscious. Came, and we came back and addressed our fears, and they're like, we were scared too. And then it was way better, and it was fun. And a yeah, good we we're hang. both thinking the same thing. Like the other one didn't want to talk to us. Yeah, I think that's always the way. I, and I'll get that with fans, too, after shows. They're like, they're like, I know you hate me. I know you hate talking to everybody. I'll get out. They just, like, run away. And I'm like, no, I'm not a psycho. Right. I'm like, there's just people. It's one extreme or the other. There's some people that just, like, sit down and will talk to you for, like, a half hour and yeah. start telling you crazy stories or insane jokes. But other people will just, like, they'll message you later and be like, I came to the show. I wanted to say hi, but I know you're a piece of shit and you hate me. So I just didn't say anything. And I'm like, no, say hello. Yeah, It, it means the world to me. That's why I'm out there. Yeah. Right? As I want to say hello to people and hear people say nice things if they want to say nice things. But it's just a balance. It's just like I always think there should be like a shot clock. Like, all right, you got two minutes. Yes. Max. But but that's two minutes is a good amount of time to sit and go, hey, how you doing? That's I why I, I always envy the the guys that have the the, the line of people because it's like you have that excuse. You're like, hey, I got to keep the line moving. Thank you so much for being here. Uh, but I don't have a line. I got the one. <laughs> one right. Person. We got the group. It's, all, it's always easier too when you have another show. You're like, well, the second show's coming in. I tried to pull that in Des Moines. Oh, I was yeah. like, oh, the second show. And I look and like there's literally zero people. <laughs> I'm like, oh, you know, we got a second show coming in. They're like, second show? What? There's nobody here. I've only went to one book signing, but I feel like that's like a good way to meet and greet because you have the book that completes the deal, you know? And then you can have your line when they're signing it. You're like, I love chapter two. And they're like, great. And they give you the book back. And then you get your moment and then, you know, you get something out of it. I feel like they should do that for comedy. We should sign something. I've I've told this during the podcast before too, but... I got so devastated one time. There was a baseball player named Marty Barrett and uh, for the Red Sox back in the eighties. And he was doing a book, uh, not a book, just a signing, a meet and greet signing thing at a liquor store. Cause they would do <laughs> an athlete come in and you'd go there to get their autograph and people would buy booze or whatever. Right. Promotes the store. So we would wait in line. I waited in line for like 40 minutes to meet Marty Barrett. And I was like, so nervous. I was like seven and I was so excited. And then we were like next up, it was a people in front of us. And next up, and then the the liquor store owner guy came up and was like, Marty, you're almost out of here, man. 20 more minutes. Just hang tight and you're through. And it like devastated me because uh, I thought I was seven. I thought Marty Barrett wanted to meet me. Yeah. And to hear it, it was like so heartbreaking that I was like, oh, he hates this. 
he's really bummed and doesn't want to be here. He just really, he just has a lot of gambling debts. He needs to pay off. Yeah. He wants like the free captain Morgan or whatever. I (laughs) I felt it when I shook his hand, I was like, Hey Marty, sorry. And that's probably in my head too. You talk about learned behavior. When I meet someone, they're probably like, they hate this. I know they want to be out of here. Yeah. Brutal. It's just like, uh, what was it? The Bronx tale where he's like, does, does Mickey Mantle care about you or whatever? Like whatever. I forgot the guy's name already, but he doesn't care about you at all. Right. Yeah. They don't care. God damn it. They well, that, that, that reminds me of, um, another story, baseball story with the Red Sox where, uh, Carlton Fisk hit a famous walk-off home run in game six of the 75 world series. Another reference to goodwill hunting. Well, it's not a reference to Google Hunting, but Google Hunting references it. Anyways. Okay. But I remember watching this interview with Carlton Fisk because the, the, like fans are running on the field. And I relate to this in comedy, by the way, but someone tries to shake his hand. And he's like, I remember seeing this guy and being mad and being like, what are you doing getting in on our celebration? This is ours. And they realized the team, they're a team of people that have been traveling together on a plane. There's 25 guys for like seven months. And us fans are like, me too. Right. And he's like, get the fuck out of here. Go in the crowd and clap. Do whatever you guys want to do. But this is our. You can't celebrate with us. We, we're, we we're, worked hard and trained our whole lives for this. Yeah, right. We, just we watch did TV. It. I remember having that with an old manager of mine and being like, I'm going to come. And she's not even in the business anymore. But she's like, I'm going to come to your taping because I'm your man. And I was like. You're not part of this. I'm like, <laughs> you were like, it was actually an agent. It wasn't a manager. It was an agent. And I'm like, you're not, I don't even know you. Why would you be there for this <laughs> monumental moment? You, rep- you represented me for like six weeks. And <laughs> I'm like, this is my thing. <laughs> but that was a, a window into fandom too. And it, it's like we talked about earlier. It's like this separate, like the Pearl Jam thing. It's like, there's those, the team means so much to me. Cause I love, I grew up with that. It's learned and that's generation. So I love the team, but the team is not into, they don't care about me, nor yeah. should they. It's like, it's like the same thing when you ever have this, where something goes viral or something, you get somebody from high school messaging you like, I can't believe you're on here. I've been working, man. Where were you? You know, yeah. like it just seems like I get like kind of mad at that. I have that it's like, with now you talk to me. Right. I came home and did my home club like after I did the late show, and uh, a guy comes over and goes, This is uh Susie, she went to high school with you, and then she <laughs> says hello. And I'm like, We've never spoken. You now you now claim me as right. going to high school with you, but I didn't go to high school with you before, probably. Right, right. Yeah, it's like now it changes. Yeah, now that I got a huge dick. <laughs> <laughs> Andrew, do you know about Steve's cock? I mean, have you seen it? You guys are very close, from what I understand. I've never seen it, but I've I, I'm you know kind of close with his girlfriend, and our girlfriends are my girlfriend's a comedian too, and used to live with, um, with Caitlin. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. So I would go over there and I can't, I don't know if this is a false memory, but I think one time I heard them having sex. <laughs> Steve and, and Caitlin. Yeah. It sounded like they she, your girlfriend, Caitlin. No, no. Oh my God. No, but it did sound like <laughs> Kayla was having a good time. <laughs> oh boy. Oh boy. Steve. My I did not know this and now I can't, I can't look. I honestly can't. But look. I think maybe Maddie heard it. That's my girlfriend's name. It came in and told me about it. And I, now I think I heard it, you know, but Steve is just someone I don't, I can't imagine having sex. I try so hard, but he just feels like such a little like wind up toy of a boy. <laughs> well, maybe that's what happens. He just like one action. Yeah. Just, well, you got to pump it up. <laughs> <laughs> um, but anyways, let's, let's rein it back in. Now, Andrew, you are, you're a therapy guy. You go to therapist. Yeah. I go to the same therapist as Steve and he told me about her, but I'm, I'm now having my doubts about our therapist. Do you even do? I love get, her. Um, now, like, what is it? What, what do you do? Give me some examples. Okay. So I have two examples. One is I was uh, in a dark place, I think like a couple of weeks ago. And I, and I was like kind of reliving all the bad things that I went through. You know, you ever have that where you're like in a dark place. So you're like, Oh, well, I'm down here. Might as well kind of enjoy these dark moments. <laughs> oh man. Might as well no, pile that, it on. You ever have a, that? Yeah. A little bit, but that, that sounds that, in theory, that sounds good. If you're down there, you just accept it. And you're like, all right, well, I'll enjoy being here because this will end because it's impermanent. Yeah, right. I, I don't know. That's how. So I talked to her about other things I was thinking about. She's like, oh, that again. That was her reaction was like, oh, you're still worried about this. 
Oh, I like that. That's what my therapist is like that all the time. He's tough. Oh. He's like, of course. I, yes, love the, I love the tough love thing. I want to be like, let's talk about it again. Obviously, it's bothering me. Yeah, well, she should talk about it again. But, she, you know, she kind of dismissed it. Or maybe I felt bad for bringing it up. No, my therapist is like, yes, you're a pussy. You're tough. <laughs> you haven't changed anything. You're not suffering enough. I didn't know your therapist was a vampire. <laughs> uh, do, do vampire. It's all very similar. Uh, your insurance plan nine from outer space. Um, so the... Uh, what was the other the, example? Okay, so then whenever I talk to her about a problem, she always, I feel like always wants to solve it, but she doesn't know anything. You know, like I was telling her about, I was like kind of worried, you know, and I just kind of build up worries. I write them down to talk about her with. And I'm like, oh, my, my, my following, my, my, so my Instagram followers uh, are going down. And she's like, well, have you tried using hashtags? I'm oh. like, what? Oh, mm. I'm like, oh, that's off-putting. Hashtags. I, I don't want my therapist talking about hashtags. Yeah. So, Stephen, has she ever done that to you? No, but I, I haven't gone to her with that, with a social media. <laughs> yeah, the social thing. media thing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Steve is right on here. I mean, uh, you should be I, talking about your parents or yeah, whatever. I know, I mean, but talking I, about your social media followers. Like, go to me about your social media. I kind of unload everything on her. Like I, I kind of write it all down and, and I feel good. I feel like, like, I, I feel like I went through like a dishwasher or something when I uh, unload all these little worries I have, well, but sometimes not, I don't like the response. Nothing feels better than unloading on a woman. You know what I mean? <laughs> right on her. Yeah. Tits. And you heard me do it. <laughs> yeah. Um, sounded like it was good. Um, but to me, like my therapist, if I brought up a social media, like sometimes it's all accepted. So he's like, all right, so maybe you're losing followers. So what? So why does that upset you? What's wrong? What's wrong with that? I'll be your therapist. So what's the problem with losing followers? Oh, I was on a roll and then it just seems, you know, you're not on a roll now. (laughs) (laughs) You'll get them back or you won't. Yeah. I, uh, uh, oh, yeah, that's true. I'm Why trying do you to think feel about like, like you need followers. Well, the uh, the whole career, you know, it feels like it all hinges on that these days. You, you think your entire career depends on a few Instagram followers? Yeah, and I was also worried if I sometimes I I'm afraid if I post certain thing on Instagram, they will go down. You know, Why are you worried? Why are you so worried about what these people think? Well, do you think it's good? Follow me, and that might affect how but, I make money. But do you like what you're posting? Do you think it's good? Yeah, sometimes I do. But then after I post it, I'm like, maybe this isn't that good. Don't think about it again. Just post it. Yeah. What about uh, what hashtag should I use? I don't care about hashtags. I'm a therapist. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'm a better therapist. I want you to see me and give me 200 bucks an hour. Joe, oh, that, was, a break. that was like a thousand percent better than the conversation I had with her. But she's also not a... Th- social media person. And one time I told her like, Hey, I'm blowing up this week. I got like this amount of likes. She's like, I usually get 50. I'm like, I don't need to hear that. You ever watch no direction home. The Scorsese movie about Bob Dylan. No. Oh, that's everyone's assignment. First of all, it's like the best movie of all time. It's it's Scorsese's second best movie. It's the best documentary ever. It's amazing, but it's unbelievable. But basically Bob Dylan was loved beloved as this folk singer then he went electric and started a rock and roll band which was amazing and then he's getting booed off stage and they go boo and they say you're a traitor judas and he says i don't believe you and then he turns <laughs> to the band and he says play it fucking loud and then Damn. he just kept doing whatever he wants to do bob dylan's not going well i don't know i got booed a little bit maybe i should put out <laughs> another folk album let me write a couple songs about uh you know the voters rights so i can get these people back Mm. He just created what he wants to create and he's yeah. fine. Fuck and these people. And it's more fun for him too. Cause I watched those footage of him playing at the folk festivals and the people are just sitting there looking at him. you know, like they don't with folk music, they in rock and roll, they go woo and like mosh and stuff and folk music. They're just staring at him. Like he's re- doing a reading in a library or something. Yeah. It's fucking I, I could rock see. And roll. Yeah. I could see why he, he wanted to get away from that. It looks so boring to go to a folk concert. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, he's, he's done doing that. Whatever you posted something. So who are these fucking idiots that are unfollowing you because of some post? They weren't going to see you. Who gives a shit about them? Yeah, yeah. Well, Steve, 
I mean, I, I hate to bring him in, but I, you know, it would make me feel better about it. But he gets that too with, uh, we both been posting on TikTok, and he'll get negative comments and be like, I'm not doing that anymore. Well, I'll be right. like, sucks. <laughs> I know. It, it does, does suck. But I think, uh, I think that, that Joe's right and that uh, it's important to remember we should just make what we like. Yeah, I know. And I got to... I, and I feel like this has been in my head too, where I'm like, whenever I post, it's got to be a banger, you know, like, <laughs> you know, do you ever have that where some people just post every day and they get more followers because people are like, oh, this guy at least is posting every day. It's something to follow. Yeah, no, I think that all the time. I have the same thing because I post nothing but photos of landscapes and the sunsets and the trains and whatever. And every people that post clips and, and content, they got thousands and thousands of followers and it blows up. And I probably should do that, but I like expressing myself that way. I like mm -hmm. these photos and then a few hundred people like them and I go, great. I like people going, Hey, you got a good eye for photography. Mm -hmm. Now, sure. I don't sell tickets whatsoever. And, <laughs> and there's I, no second show at the Des Moines funny bone. Yeah, exa exactly. Nobody comes to it, but <laughs> whatever that it'll come in, in different ways. And you know, like 300 people listen to this podcast and it takes a lot of time and it's consuming, but I got a bunch of emails from people that say this podcast is a huge part of my life and, and thank you. So I got that instead of money. Well, the thing I love about you, Joe, and is, is a thing that I think uh, Andrew could do because I two of the two of you are two of my favorite people to watch, and you create my favorite things. Is you're just making what you love, and the people that love you love you. It's not like they're just like, oh, let's go see this guy. There, it's, it's a, an event to go see you. Like every show, we had people that love, love, love. Joe List and what he makes. Oh, th I think that's true for me. I'm not sure about Andrew, but I, <laughs> I do. <laughs> well, I think on a smaller Andrew, scale. Yeah. I think Andrew can can get there by just making what he likes and not worrying about who comes. Is just they will come and they will love him for what he makes. People will come, Ray. <laughs> that was a Field of Dreams reference. <laughs> People will come, Ray. That's a pretty good James Earl Jones. That was good. Moonlight Graham. Uh, anyways, That's, Andrew, what were you going to say? Sorry, I cut off. Uh, I, I insulted you and then cut you off. Oh, I don't remember. Uh, I, I was confused by who you're impersonating. That's James Earl Jones. <laughs> Luke, I thought it was your therapist I am your again. father. <laughs> um, all right, we got to wrap it up. But plug this podcast again, Panic Attacking. It's a, it's a takeoff of my podcast. <laughs> it's a spinoff. <laughs> Joe, can we post this episode as ours? Yeah, after the, mine comes out. Oh, man. When does yours come out? Uh, possibly never. I got to go back through. There was some weird <laughs> racial stuff. I got to. <laughs> yeah, it's a crossover. But I, I mean, you got to give me the juice here. I mean, I had you on my pod. I did your pod before. Remember, it was uh, horseshit because the sound sucked. <laughs> oh, yeah, you can have this one. Yeah, we got, no, we, got we got we got one lined up for this weekend. So no, but take yeah. this one after too. It's a it's a crossover. Yeah, I after do you post yeah. on YouTube, Joe? I do. Ah, oh, crap. Okay. What? No good. He's no, already we he's on. already trying to get more more numbers than this one. We're gonna get what? This it's gonna be huge. It's gonna be huge. This is gonna be all right. All right. Andrew. I believe. Yeah, I know. Take it. You're already you're already worried about the followers again. I know. I am. <laughs> yeah. It's the followers. We just gotta create. We do. We gotta put stuff out. Yeah. No. We just create. Don't worry about the followers. You guys are great. <laughs> You're wonderful people and uh panic attacking. That's what it's called, right? Yes. Yeah. Panic so, attacking podcast. Go listen to my episode. It's perfect. It we is good. On, we have it on YouTube. So our YouTube URL is youtube.com slash panic attacking. Hell yeah. Or maybe yeah, go check it out. Subscribe. <laughs> subscribe to their podcast. Subscribe to this podcast. Leave a nice review and keep writing these nice emails. Reach out to these boys. They're wonderful people and follow them on Instagram. Go follow Andrew Chavon and Steve Rogers. Yes, thank you, please. Joe. Thank you for having us, Joe. It was yeah, so fun. thank you. You both got huge dicks, I assume. <laughs> Andrew, how you doing? You packing? What's going on? I uh, I don't know. <laughs> I didn't hear anything coming from Maddie's room. So I don't <laughs> <laughs> All right. Hey, this is a great episode. Thanks, guys. Mindful Metal Jacket is hosted by comedian Joe List. Produced by Joe List. Edited by Matt Kleinschmidt. Executive producers Robert Kelly and Matt Kleinschmidt for the Laugh Button Podcasts.